Hey, good morning. Thank you for joining us for a recent sermon from Harvest Baptist Church. I'm Mark Likens. I'm the lead pastor here at Harvest. We're a Bible-believing, gospel-centered, grace-driven church family right here in Natrona Heights, Pennsylvania. And if you'd like to learn more about our ministry, you can visit us on Facebook or at harvestbaptist.info. Now, I hope you enjoyed today's sermon. It's my prayer that this will encourage and equip you in your relationship with God. Today you're in for a special treat, at least I think so. Uh, you're not going to get me, you get me about 45 Sundays out of the year, but today you actually will hear from my father-in-law. Uh, people ask me often, they say, how'd you and Maggie meet? I say, I had a relationship with her dad, and because of that we met, which is backwards, right? Normally you meet the girl, and then she introduces you to the family, and, and then that starts. Uh, but it was opposite for us. I've, I met uh, Pastor Rule, as he's known at his church, um, but I, I met my father-in-law when I was a teenager. I was in ninth grade when we met for the first time. And I probably saw him and heard him preach once a year uh, through ninth grade and 10th grade and 11th grade and then even into college. And uh, had emailed him in college and said, I'm looking for an internship during the summer. And actually went out and, and worked at the church for the summer. And it was there during that time that I was introduced to this girl named Maggie who I didn't really know existed really. And, uh, and then our relationship took off. But uh, it's, it's a joy for us to have him. He has been a lead pastor for 35 years in Northern California. And when that's the case, you're normally with your church on Sunday. So uh, I've been here almost six years now, and he's never been here on a Sunday morning to preach. And about a month ago, uh, repositioned and actually turned over the lead pastorate uh, and is in a different role. And I said, if you have a bit more freedom you know your foot loose and fancy free on Sunday mornings will you come preach on Sunday like I've wanted to make this happen for a number of years and so he was he was able to and so I'm really looking forward to hearing him if I had to come up with a list of the top five guys men who have influenced my life uh, my father-in-law would be on that list of the top five men who have invested in me and helped me and I'm very grateful not just to have an extended family but also have extended family that I love and appreciate and have gleaned so much wisdom from over the years so I'm gonna pray and then after that Pastor Rule's gonna come and he's gonna preach to us this morning father we thank you for the opportunity to be here I think we say that almost every week but we never want to take it for granted that we can be in your house that we can assemble freely that we can worship your name it is such a joy and Lord, today I pray that we would carry the truths of these songs with us, and I pray that we would carry the truth of your word with us. Would you speak to us and help us? Would you edify us and build us up? Would you allow us to see you a bit more clearly and think more highly of you? And in so doing, may we even see ourselves a bit more clearly and perhaps even decrease a little bit in our own eyes. Lord, I ask that you would do this. I ask that your spirit would move. We're looking to you in these moments and asking for your help. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and praise. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning, please. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah, please, in chapter 43. And it is great to be here. And I certainly appreciate it. I want to thank Brother Matt for uh, leading the uh, congregation and singing, and then the orchestra and the choir. And a lot of energy there, a lot of energy there. Matt, I appreciate that. Um, unless you have been a song leader at one time or another, 
Uh, it's very difficult to explain that responsibility. And uh, it's like if something goes wrong, you have no place to go. You just stand up and keep waving your arms. But he does a phenomenal job, phenomenal job. And I hear he's somewhat new at it. And uh, you ought to give him a hand. You ought to give him a hand. And uh, good, 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 good. And uh, he told me to say that, so that should work out well for him. And that will be great. Um, I do want to say thank you uh, for allowing me to come. And it's a great honor and joy for me. And uh, Pastor Mark was right. I have repositioned myself. And uh, that was not my doing. That was God's doing. And uh, yet I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I've been asked a lot of questions about that. I have pastored just about 35 years, 34 years, eight months. And uh, people ask me, uh, well, do, do you have cancer? Uh, I, I do not have cancer. Uh, someone asked me, are you immoral? And I said, no, my wife won't let me. And so uh, we settled that one real fast. And uh, I'm not too old. I still have a little energy left. And so, but it was the unprecedented will of God. And that's all I can say. God said, I want you to do this. Because honestly, he wants to see our church continue to be a church. And so we've witnessed that. We've seen that. And uh, we got a lot of investment in Pleasant Valley Baptist Church. And we want to do God's will for our lives. And uh, folks have been most gracious about it. And we appreciate this, what God is doing. I say it often. Everyone needs a Sunday. And I, I do say that everyone needs a Sunday. Uh, your pastor's wife, my daughter Maggie, and um, her aunt was in the hospital. I was visiting her, and uh, Maggie, just nearly every day, as I was at the hospital from morning till night, uh, every day with my sister, 56 days in a row, uh, she passed away in the hospital. About being there, uh, I remember walking in on a Sunday morning, and people would say, well, you're all dressed up. Where are you going? I said, I'm going to church. I'm going to church. I need church. And I said, really, you need church? I said, I need church. I need a Sunday. I need a Sunday after being in the hospital every single day. I need some place to come refreshed. I need some place to come be strengthened. I need to come some place to be welcomed, received. And boy, everyone needs a Sunday. I say it often. Everyone needs a, a personal home. Everyone needs a church home. I'm so glad to hear about your good day last Sunday and that you had many guests and visitors. Some are returning. May I encourage you that if you have not found a, a church home, it's so nice to have a church home. Uh, to, to call a church family, have people around you and praying for you and leading you in God's ways is so important. Not only a personal home and likewise a, a church home, but greatest of all is having a heavenly home, a place we can call our home in heaven for eternity. So we certainly appreciate that. Okay, here we go. Isaiah chapter 43, and I don't know of the custom here in the early service. I'd ask if you're willing, if you'd like to stand, please, for the reading of the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 43, and let's stand for the reading of the Word of God. I'll read 13 verses, Isaiah chapter 43. It's an amazing passage that God honestly showcases himself. God, God's going to brag on himself. I love Psalm 73.1. The Bible starts off and says this, Truly, the Lord is good. I love that verse. God, who cannot lie, says truly, like I'm telling you the truth. Truly, the Lord is good. And if you can hear God say this, God will say this to you, hey, I'm good for you. I'll help you. I'll be one of those ones on your side mentoring you, lifting you up, encouraging you, taking you along. Aren't you glad God's not a mean God? Aren't you glad God doesn't lack in patience? I'd be dead 45 times by now. I'm sure glad God has long suffering. I need God. So we're going to hear God showcase himself, verse chapter 43. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee. That's a good statement right there. But now, thus saith the Lord that created God, who created you, says, I'm going to talk to you. 
O Jacob and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. And through the waters, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, um, uh, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, that's another great statement, since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone is called by my name. Listen, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. And let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled who among them can declare this and show us former things. Let them bring forth their uh, witnesses that they may be justified and let them hear and say it is truth. Here he goes now, a personal little bragging. Ye are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. He before me, there should be before me, there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared, and I have saved. I have showed, and when there was no strange God among you, therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. And here's our text verse. Yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that deliver out of my hand. Listen, I will work, and who shall let me? It's an amazing passage, and it truly is, that God in his infinite word, perfect word, would take a few verses, and he does other places, but he talks about himself. But he talks about what God can do for you. I am your God. I am your Savior. I formed thee. I redeemed thee. I created thee. I know all about you. I know you better than you know yourself, and I want to help you. I want to help you. Father in heaven, that's amazing. It's amazing that the very God of the universe wants to help us. Wants to help us. And I pray today, Lord, you'll allow us to have that mindset to allow you to do that, to help us, please. Lord, can we say it this way? I don't know these folks. I don't. And honestly, they don't know me. But Lord, you don't need me. You don't need preachers. You can do this all yourself. But you chose a common element, just a common man, to come Speak thy word, and you through that mighty word will touch hearts. You can change lives, and you want to. I don't know who had the worst week this week. I don't know the closest one to hell. I don't know the one that's searching for you, and you're searching for them. But make that connection today. Speak as no man can speak, and we'll give you all the glory. For Christ's sake, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. We talk about the profundity, the profoundness of God. And just the other day, I was speaking to a young man, and his mother's going to pass away, and he said, my dad passed away younger. I don't know if my dad was Christian. 
I remember saying these words. I said, I think he was. He said, well, how can you say that if you don't even know my dad? I said, well, I know God. I realize that there is a book of God. You have a copy in your hands, and so do I. We make big of this book. It's our sole authority. We do things because this book says to do things. We do not do certain things because the book says don't do those things. But we have the book of God. We have the, the book of faith. I mean, I say this, this great God, this great creator of the universe, this mighty, powerful God, honestly cannot be contained in one book. He could have written volumes and volumes and volumes. And so there is a book of God. There's also the behavior of God. And when this young man was listening to me, I said, you're going to heaven. Your mom's going to heaven. You don't know about your dad. Why don't you just think the best? Why don't you think, my dad's there. And one day I'll be up there. But wouldn't God love to see a reunion between a husband and a wife and a father and a son? I know the profundity, the profoundness of God is so great and vast, we'll never understand it. But I'm going to go to the other side. He makes it pretty simple. He gave us one book. He gave us ten laws, commandments, to really govern our lives for all time, from Adam all the way through to the end of the world. It's not that complicated. It really isn't. God gave us a bunch of stories in here to read. God gave us accountability in here. God gave us practical procedures to pinpoint and put into our life, and they work. They work. A soft answer turned away wrath, but grievous words struck anger. If you're married, we've learned that one. Just keep your mouth shut, gentlemen, and you get along a lot better. I mean, God knows. God knows. He's a wonderful God. And so he keeps things very simple. In fact, in this room, there are only two types of people. Number one, I'll call it group number one. Group number one people, they're here this morning. They know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They know that Jesus Christ came, lived a sinless life, died a vicarious death, hung on a cross for three hours and six, uh, uh, me, six hours and uh, 360 minutes, and then uh, gave up his own self, took our place, paid for our sins, uh, arose from the grave three days and nights later, and, and sits at the right hand of God. We know that, and there's a personal day we trust in him as our Savior. So there's group number one, those that know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is a God and that he loves it and that they will spend eternity with him in the air, in heaven. There's group number two. I believe in God, but I don't know him that well. I've been in church my whole life, but I don't know if I really know him. How many know George Washington? Yeah, everybody. He was the first president, yeah. He married a, name, uh, married a lady named... Martha, we got one smart person right here, okay, good. They lived in Mount Vernon, yeah, he supposedly cut down what type of tree? Yeah, see, I know George Washington. No, you know about George Washington. You don't know him. I know that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem. I know he escaped down to Egypt. He came back to uh, uh, the Nazareth. He's called right, right up as the Nazareth. I know they walked on water on the Sea of Galilee. I, I know that he was buried in a rich man's tomb. He died on the cross of Calvary. He sits down there. I know Jesus. No, you know about Jesus. You're in group number two. It's amazing because Paul thought he knew Jesus, and he didn't. And Paul was a very religious man. Nicodemus knew Jesus, or thought he did, but, you know, some, uh, he didn't. And so group number two are those who are here that say, I don't know for sure if I die, I go to heaven. I think so. Honestly, I think so. I've been good. I haven't done anything that bad. 
So group number one, honestly, knows beyond a shadow of a doubt, biblically, scripturally, they can take the word of God and show you why they're going to heaven. Group number two are good people. We're in church this morning. I just, I'm not positive. I've never been asked that. I do not know beyond a shadow of a doubt if I could take a Bible and show you why I'm going to heaven. Can I help you out? Everyone in group number one was at one time in group number two. And they sat right here. And they thought, I, I love this verse, come now and let us reason together. I love that verse. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. They'd be red like crimson, they should be as wool. If I'm going to trust my eternal life where I live forever and ever and ever, do you think I'm going to trust just one person to tell me? Am I going to trust a religion, a denomination, a church? Or do I need to know myself? And God says, let's talk about it. Let's reason together. I, God, that's what he's saying, I, God, want to talk to you personally about it. Come, now, let's just reason this thing through. Let's reason together. There are some shortnesses. There are some shortcomings. Your sins be as scarlet, but they can be as white as snow. And I pray that today that if anyone's in group number two, they will desire to become in group number one and walk out of here and saying, that's him. I want that God. I want him to be my God. It goes down to the next decision. If I choose him to be my God, I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to become a Christ follower. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to come to church. And I'm going to read my Bible. And I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Are you going to be a good one? Are you going to be a good Christian? Can I say this? I've never one time said my life, Brother Mark. I've never said I'm a good Christian. Well, I'm a whole lot better than I used to be. Oh, my goodness. You know, so I still have a long way to go. I really do. But the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. The things I, 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 I want to do, I end up not doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. But Paul said that. And that wasn't rhetoric speech. He literally meant that. And Paul said these words. I, I just want to know you, God. I, honestly, I don't want to get up caught up in all the politics and the churches and the religions and denomination, all this other stuff. God, I just want to know you. I want to be a good Christian. I want to be a good Christian. I wasn't reared in a Christian home. I did not have the privilege of going to a Christian school. I did not go to a Christian college until the second time around. I was born in what they call a, a dysfunctional home. We don't know what that is, because when I was young, we could not spell it, so we never called it a dysfunctional home, okay? So I don't know. My dad was married four times. My mother was married three times, so I've been through six divorces. Uh, my last stepfather was uh, literally a jerk of a man. I hated him. I hated my stepdad. At a wonderful, glorious age of seven, seven years of age, my desire was to go to the gym and work out and, and get strong enough that I could beat the fire out of my stepdad. I hated him. Things he did to us as kids, what he did to my mother, all those times that the ambulance have to come and, and take my mother out of the house and take her down to the hospital, and then we'd be stuck with that violent man. Uh, just, just, just didn't like it. Uh, didn't work out. They got divorced. He came back. He murdered my mother, shot her five times in mid-daylight, right in the front seat of a car, committed suicide. So I don't come from a Christian home. But I have a great God. I have a great God. When I chose God to be my God, I didn't chose God to be a little God, a little, little G God. I don't put him in my pocket and take him out when I want to. He's my God. And if he loves me the way I am and he loves me what I've been through, if he loves me, then I want to love him back. 
So decision number one, I chose to be my God. Decision number two, I want to be a good follower. How many here have ever been involved in athletics of any type, size at all? Just raise your hand down. How many ever had a coach that helped you out? Raise your hand. How many ever had a coach just look down and said, oh, boy, that guy is not good? <laughs> I've had that so many times. When I look over to the sideline, I see the coach going, oh, man, why did I put rule in? Here, here's my worst vision. I don't want God from heaven to look down and say, oh, he messed up again. I don't want that. And every day of my life, I fail. But every day of my life, I need him. I need him. So I became a Christian, and I desired to be a good one. But not a good one for me, a good one for you. Your neighbor ought to have a good life because you're the neighbor. Your workplace ought to be blessed because you work there. And I realized that Christianity was not given to me for my own gift, although it is. It was given to me to be a gift to share with everybody else. And I pray that Christianity is not hard, it's group number one, I know him. And that group number one chooses to be a, a good group number one. And that group number one that chooses to be good group number one decides to help everybody else. Harvest Baptist Church, thank you for being in a stewardship program of which you'll be in a building program, of which you'll reach more people, of which means that that group number one, loving God, knowing his love, now helping other people. Thank you for being that Harvest Baptist Church. Growing up, I remember these words that I would brag, and uh, sometimes I think I was a little confused about it, but I would say, my, my dad is better than your dad. I'm sure you've heard it. My dad's stronger than your dad, and my mom can cook better than your mom, and, you know, my, my, my dad is, uh, uh, is, uh, can fix everything. You know, my dad, he's that good. I like the one little boy. That's nothing. My mom can beat up my dad, so I know how that is. So, oh, boy, oh, boy. And so that's the way it was. Our dad could do everything. Our dad could know everything. Our dad could, could make everything better. We ran to dad for everything. And then all of a sudden, we grew up a little bit. And all of a sudden, dad didn't have that answer. All of a sudden, we saw dad do something that wasn't maybe quite right. And pretty soon, we, we realized he's just dad, and he's not perfect. And then we got busier and busier, and we don't really talk to dad much, and I mean, call him much, and... You know, I watched the same stuff happen spiritually. Remember when God was everything? I can still remember the day I got saved. I could take you to the very two foot by two foot square in a back little room, a block room, a tile floor, little storefront painted church. I remember walking the aisle, trusting Christ my Savior. The, the, the pastor walked me back there. He led me through the plan of salvation. I remember my tears hitting that floor. That day was the greatest day because I had this greatest joy. But I, I wanted to talk to him every day. I wanted to tell everybody about him every day. I, I found tracks of the church. I had no idea what they were. had no idea what they said, but they said everyone needed one. I, I went through my junior high store and put them in all the little vents of the lockers and passed them up. I, said, I wanted everyone to know God. This God is great. This God is good. And yet, to the series of my own life, I remember that, oh, I guess I can do this on my own. Maybe my God's not the greatest. And maybe my God's not the strongest. And, well, at least in this much, I don't need him. And that's what happens. And that's why God wrote this chapter for you and I. God says, I want you to know me. And so God showcases himself. He's amazing. No one can do it like God. He is that amazing God. And so God then in Isaiah 43 showcases himself. And he begins by saying, I can do all things. 
I created thee, I formed thee, I, I, I redeemed thee, I call you by my name. I love when he says, thou art mine, thou art mine. If God could take out a wall and show his pictures, your picture being there, and God brags about you, and God brags about uh, uh, your family, God brags about me, and God brags about his believers, I, I love that about God. God loves us. God takes a personal interest in every individual here. I want you to know that. God knows what you're thinking right now. God knows what your, lies ahead today. Uh, God knows if your ball team won or not. Uh, God knows if, uh, uh, how you're finding it. God knows all about you. God takes a personal desire to help you. Then he says the words, I'll take good care of you. I'll keep you from harm. Uh, I'll be there in every tough time that you have. Then he says, I am God. I am the Savior. Uh, I, I gave nations for you. I gave people for you. He goes, you are precious in my sight. God says, I love you. Let me pause there. God says, I love you. Okay, let's just stop again. God. Erase everything else outside your mind. Think about a majestic, wonderful, mighty God who now just stills the very voices of heaven. He says, I want to make someone hear me. And hear, hear God say, hey, I love you. I love you. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing his worth. Sounds like music in my ears, the sweetest name on earth. Tells me of a Savior's love who died to set me free. Tells me of that precious blood, the sin is perfect plea. Tells me what the Father hath in store for every day, and though I tread a darksome path, yield sunshine all the way. Tells me one of a loving heart who knows my deepest woe, who on this earth, any sorrow on this earth bears my deepest woe. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Can you hear God say this morning, the Lord's Day, Sunday? He's one that you know from me. Loves you. Loves you. Loves you. I am with you, he says. I will take care of you everywhere on earth. I will protect you. I created you for my glory. I will be with you. We're a team now. I created you, and now you are my being, and now you're my, my creation, and now you'll tell everybody about me, and I'll be a great God to them. And so we're going to work as a team. I'll bring forth witnesses. I'll tell the truth. You can bank on it. Then God gives a little personal resume. I like this part of it. God says, I am God. I like that. He didn't say, I'm one of the gods. I, I am, I'm one of many. You know, I am God. There is only one God. It's not a polytheistic belief. It's a monotheistic belief. There is one God, one way, one truth, one faith, one baptism. I like he doesn't get confused about that. He said, I am God. There's no God before me. There'll be no God after me. There's no God on my right-hand side. There's no God on my left-hand side. He goes, I am God. Then he said, I will declare. I'll make known unto you. He says, um, uh, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there be a sun, and there's a sun. Let there be a moon, and there's a moon. He declared those things. He spoke those things. And they added a bunch of stars as an aftermath also. He said, uh, I, am the, uh, I created the universe. He goes, I have saved. I have saved the woman at the well. I have saved the eunuch uh, out in the desert. I, I have saved the Philippian a jailer uh, in his place. I, I saved Nicodemus by night. I saved Saul on the road to the masses. I will save. I gave the illustration in the first hour about my mom and dad. And I don't remember my early years much, and I appreciate the Lord for that. And so my mom and dad, I have no idea, went in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, they, they went to a church meeting at Dayton Baptist Temple. The building wasn't built, but they had an old-fashioned tent in the parking lot. 1963. And uh, here it is, excuse me, 1953 in the parking lot. And uh, they had this building, and uh, so they had this tent, and a, a, a preacher came, uh, excuse me, um, uh, B.R. Lakin came, preached by heaven. 
I have no idea how my dad got to the church. My dad wasn't in the church going, but he went to the church service on a Friday night under a tent. They didn't sit on chairs. They sat on bales of hay. It was just an old-fashioned night. But at the end of that service, my dad walked the aisle, and my mother followed him. I've been to Dayton Baptist Temple. They literally have a morgue, what they call of all of the uh, people that have been to the church, and they still have the handwritten notes. They took me down this morgue in the basement, and they literally showed me my dad's handwritten signature the very night on a Friday night my dad got saved. Wow. God will save. God will save. He says, I'll save anyone. I'll save you if you allow me to do it. Then God says this. I have showed you, and God has shown himself all the way through this book. He showed you the burning bush. He showed you the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. He showed you by splitting the Red Sea. He showed you by raining down manna from heaven, having quail come down for your own meals. He showed you the walls of Jericho falling down, the fire coming down from Mount Carmel. He showed you the feet of 5,000 plus women and children. He showed you the impotent man being healed, the deaf and the blind and lame all being healed. He showed you Lazarus coming forth from the grave. And one of the scenes I like best in the Bible is when Jesus Christ came upon the land of Nain as he was there. He saw a funeral possession going out. And Jesus says, oh, gentlemen, gentlemen, uh, let's, let's pay our respects. And he says, uh, uh, who died? And, and, and a person said, uh, the, the, that lady over there, she was actually, they could show who it was, and said, her only son died. Oh, her only son. Oh, that's tragic, only son. Yeah, she's a widow. She's a widow. So she has no husband? Now she has no family? Oh. Oh. And Jesus so that's not right. He goes, I'll fix that. And Jesus stops. He goes up through the funeral procession. He says, stop this thing. Jesus stops the funeral procession. And then he looks over to the lady, and you don't say this at funerals. He says, hey, don't cry. Don't cry. Weep not, lady. Weep not, widow. Weep not, childless lady. And Jesus walks over to the coffin. <laughs> Now, I don't know about you, but have a strange, you know, like, penniless rabbi walk up and stop your whole funeral procession outside the city, and now he's stopping this. And he touches the coffin, and he tells the young man to rise up. I don't know if I want to be a pallbearer during that time. I don't know if that would happen. I just, that, that was just, whoa, I'm not sure what's going on. The, the son sits up and goes back to his mom. Mom's rejoicing, son's rejoicing. The whole town now is like, all because Jesus stopped and made something better. He's a personal God. I am God. I am God. I am strong. And then he says this, I am strong. Now listen, here's the whole message. And God says in verse 13, I will work. God says, look, I'm strong. Shake my hand, I'll show you. Let me roll up a sleeve, let me show you how strong I really am. I can do anything there is to do. I am strong. And then he says the words, I will work. I made a sign. Ever see these? Oh, you have. How many you've seen? I've seen a lot more. Why? I live in California. That's why. Whole, whole different mindset out there, I guarantee you, all right? You talk about a lot of whack jobs, you know. I'm not in another state. I'm in a mission field, okay? Now, this is common for us, all right? Every street corner, you got someone stay there. And they're pretty honest for it. I will work for beer. I want to get high. Uh, this is for my dog and I. I don't want to work. I mean, they'll say that. But they'll say this right here. I will work. I got one smart daughter, okay? I won't tell you which one it was. Here's what she's, Dad, how do all those homeless people always find cardboard and black magic markers, all right? And they always find them, and they make these little signs. You've seen them. I've seen them. 
Ever seen God carry this? He just said that. I will work. You know, God doesn't like being unemployed. No, slow down. Just stop. How many of us ask God to work this morning? How many of us ask God to, uh, as I receive people in the foyer, to welcome them with a, a warm handshake and a, say, man, this is great, or, or, or help me to play my instrument with expertise, and may I bring glory to you, and, and may my voice ring out like a trumpet, a sounding the praise of God, and God, I need some God, will you please help me? May I say this? God walks through every church in America and around this world, world this morning holding the sign. Maybe, maybe he was in front of your Sunday school classroom as you walked in as a teacher. And God said, hey, hey, as you teach lessons, I'll, I'll help. I'll help. I'll work. Can you imagine God who just showcased himself about being the creator, the redeemer, the great one, the holy one, the mighty one, the one who loves us very much. And then he says how strong he is. And then he says these words, I will work. Then he makes a statement. Who will let me? Who will let me? I love your pastor. He's pastored six years. It's probably like 29 years of experience over the six years. <laughs> I have more experience than you are years alive, yes. I have learned to do God's work without God. I can stand up. I can order service. I can shake hands and I can make people feel like a million dollars. Well, it doesn't mean God's in it. I can make sure that instruments are playing. I can make sure that Baptistry waters are ready to be stirred, and I can make sure that the, uh, all the, the whole orchestration of an altar call goes well. And we have name takers over here and people getting ready to get baptized. The changers are back there and all this stuff. I can all the organ. It doesn't mean that I can help change their life. But if I get on my knees and say, Guy, I can't, I can't do this stuff without you. Because God always, you know, I didn't get this out of my covered. This is off my office wall. I have the sign on my office wall. I keep it up there. Because God says, before you leave the office, son, once you know, I'll work for you. I'll work with you. I'll help you. Well, why, why wouldn't we let God work? Number one, maybe we just don't believe. Honestly, maybe we just don't believe. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. There has a lot of teaching in that verse, and, and I'm not going to try to be theological about it, but I do know that God is on the outside, and, and he's trying to knock, and he's trying to ask, can I come in? Can I be a part of your life? Watch this. Can I be a part of your marriage? 
I mentioned this morning uh, that uh, Mark Wright, I, I met Mark at a, a teen camp. I knew his daddy, and, and so um, I, I went there, and Mark met my family. I, I've been married 45 years, 45 years. But I'll say today, I'm more in love with my wife than I was 45 years ago today, and I enjoy it. I, I'm like a young kid going to prom, and I, I really, my heart's still pitter-patters, and I'm madly in love with her like the fireworks going off. Hey, I love that woman. I love that woman. How do you do that? How do you do that? God, God. I surely didn't have the example of my dad. I surely didn't have the example of my mother. I said, how's you learn how to be married? God, God, I need God's help. I need God's help. I wonder how many marriages is here today. They say, God, can I have your help? And God, we coexist. And God, we, we live together. But God, we don't have the, uh, a heart's fire about being madly in love with one with another. If I ask that question, when's the last time you had a passionate kiss uh, from your husband or a passionate kiss from your wife? When's the last time your kids looked up to you and said, boy, I want to marry like mom and dad have. I want to be just like them. Oh, I want that. Hey, we need to let God, let everyone know this thing about marriage is wonderful and this thing about family is wonderful. I'll tell you what. We need God's help in our marriage and in our lives and our families. How do you rear children today? Oh, boy. To rear a straight kid in a crooked world, everyone's trying to go after them. Our, our schools have become indoctrinated, uh, excuse me, have been placed of uh, just, just horrible indoctrination about being away from God, just defying everything God says. Maybe it's our unbelief. God, I, I need your help in my marriage. I need your help in my family. I need your help in my personal life. We're the wealthiest nation there are. Yet we're deprived within ourselves. We have all the hospitals, rehabs, and we have so much addiction. You know God doesn't want us to live that way? He says you don't have to be addicted. Unless you've ever been addicted to something, please don't judge those who are addicted. Well, they ought to make better choices. Buck up and make better choice. Really, is that easy? Don't you think they all get right? You know, addictions are um, they're tough. You wake up, you hate yourself. You have to scheme, you have to go behind the scenes, you have to get high, you have to go to work, try to keep your job, and try to make some money, try to buy some more, try to do this and do this, and, and try to hide from your wife and your kids. And it's just, um, pretty soon it's just like, man, I'm a loser. God wouldn't help me. Whoa, 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 stop there. See, we don't believe God would really help us. God says, hey, hey, what's this? I will work. Maybe it's not because of our unbelief, maybe because of our lack of faith. A lack of faith. Uh, I have been a parent, and um, I, I greatly enjoy. I have four children, two boys and two girls, and just so it happens that my four children had four children. So I have 16 grandchildren, 16 grandchildren, and now I spend all my money just for, trying to fly to see all of them. So, But I remember putting them on a countertop right up here, and here I am, Dad, okay? And I would, I'd roll up my sleeves. i say, okay, a son, here's Jesse. I said, Jesse, I want you to jump to Daddy. You're not going to do it. Not going to do it. I said, son, watch it. It's right here. One inch away. You can do it, Jesse. You can do it. Jump to, Je jump to Daddy. I ain't doing it. Uh, what, is Daddy strong enough? Yes. Is Daddy love you enough to catch it? Yes. Okay. Jump to daddy. Well, why? Because now he has to exercise that thing. So we know God is strong. We know God is mighty. We know God loves us. And God's going, but when's the last time you let God step out by faith with you? We talk about tithing. Well, I know about tithing. I just don't do it. Yeah, take that jump. 
How about inviting someone to come to church? Oh, I don't know if I can do that. How about taking that jump? For without faith, it's impossible, impossible to please God. Why don't we ask God to help us? Unbelief, lack of faith. Sometimes we just do it ourselves. I wish I could sound righteous here this morning and tell you I've never done this, but I have. Not, not, not behind here. But I've gone to work a lot of days and i got this one covered. I have pastored 34 plus nearly 35 years. We've seen two acres go to 25 acres. Under $2 million buildings go over $10 million buildings. Sometimes you get in a groove, you just go work. And sometimes you forget to ask God to help. So I made up my own sign. Here you go. Because I can't do this. Want to talk about Mary's thing again? Ooh. I can't do that on my own. I, I can't. I, I love that woman. I, I do not understand her. And that hope for you. 45 years, I still don't understand her. I don't. People say, 45 years, how did you do it? One day at a time. In fact, we're sewing on a one-by-a-day basis. Amen, okay? And uh, she just puts up with me. That's what she does. She's the greatest lady I know. I really mean, I'm married way above my head, okay? Um, I didn't know how to be married. I'll tell you something. My wife and I know how to be married. My wife's from a Lutheran home. Mom ran the home. Dad was number one realtor in the state of Minnesota. Dad was a very well-to-do man, good guy. He worked every day, but boy, man ran the home. Well, that wasn't the way I was taught. And so I was taught that a man ran the home, and she was taught that they ran the home. That did not really go over well our first seven minutes of marriage. <laughs> you know I found it out? I got to have some help here. Before I married my wife, I said these words. Don't do this, because I'm not getting divorced. I've been through that. Six of them. I ain't doing it. So I'm not going to bring a reproach to my name, to you. I'm not going to bring a reproach to our family. I'm not going to bring a reproach to God. If we get married, we're, we're stuck. Call what you want, stuck, married, bliss, tribulation. Call what you want to. I said, we'll never mention the word divorce ever. She goes, okay. Have you ever mentioned the word divorce ever in 45 years? Nope. We've mentioned murder twice, but never divorce, okay? So, can I honestly tell you something? I need help in my marriage every day. And so I tell him. I said this morning, God, can you help me be a good husband today? Well, I take good care of my wife, and I take, I, I, I know all that stuff. Does your wife, is she convinced that you're madly in love with her? Has your wife told you lately? I just, I'm so enamored by how much you love me. Has she ever had to ask the question, honey, do you love me? When's the last time you thanked her husband for going out every day and working, coming back home, paying bills, providing, protecting? See, we, we, no, no, we need help. We need help. We need help in our families, in our families. But let's make it a little applicable to Harvest Baptist Church, and we got to make sure we're, we're good. 
just like that Sunday school class. I was asked to teach a second grade boys class when I was 23. 22, 23. Preacher came to me and says, uh, Brother Tim, I want you to teach second grade boys. I thought, I can't do that. I can't do that. I don't know how to teach. I don't know the Bible well enough. So second grade boys. <laughs> There's going to be a smart one in there. I'm going to be an idiot. I don't want to do that. I can't do it. I can't. Tim, you'd be good. You know, you're young and you got energy and you can help them. You've been in church. You know what this thing's all about. I, I just don't know. Tim, I need your help. Can you do this? I said, okay, I'll do it. You know what I did? I ran home and said, God, I got to have your help. I got to have your help. I don't know how to teach second grade boys. I mean, I don't know what to do. God, help me. God, please. And I begged God and begged God and begged God and begged God. And I studied my Bible. And I took the lessons. And I read over them. I got everything ready. And I wrote all the boys' letters. And I did. I, God, I got to have your help. Got to have your help. You know, then five years later, I got this. I can teach them. I'm good. You know something? There's times in my life where I learned that I stopped asking for help. Brother Mark, you've been in a lot of meetings. You've been in camp meetings. Pastor Mark, excuse me. And uh, some of those old camp meetings way back in the woods, stuff like that, and we've heard people get up and sing, and they shouldn't have been singing. When's the last time you heard someone sing? They couldn't get through it. Just kind of lost it. They love God. And they're trying to tell them how good he was. And they had to regroup themselves and get their composure. Kind of seeing through it again. And you felt the touch of God on that person. I haven't seen that for a long time. Not here, I haven't been here. My own church. I don't be so polished where we're so good that we don't need God. I want this sign. I need help to sing today. I've already said, Matt, great job. It was awesome. I don't think Matt did that on his own. I think Matt said, God, I need your help. I want to lead a choir. I want to lead an orchestra. God, I got to have you to do it. I want to lead people and I, I don't know, but I think somewhere Matt said, God help me. Sunday school teachers, school teachers, moms and dads. I need help, God. I need help. Can you stay with me for a minute? This is not a bad service. It's not a condescending service. But as soon as you put this sign out, God's right there. I haven't rented a tandem bike lately. But if you can picture myself in the front of this tandem bike and I'm pedaling and pedaling and pedaling, I look back there, no one's pedaling. They're not doing anything. I don't like those people, okay? I want someone to help me, okay? So then I asked God to get on. When I got saved, God got on my tandem bike. He got on the back seat. <laughs> he started pedaling. He started pedaling. Better than anyone ever pedaled in my life before. And God took me places and showed me and then all of a sudden I got smarter and said, God, let's change seats. And God, you take the front seat, and I'll take the back seat. You ask for God's help. It's not a condescending thought. It's like, wow, I just got the greatest, the greatest, the God, the strongest, the mightiest to do for me. I can name a myriad of other things, but there's sin in our life. 
We don't feel like we're asking God. Sometimes we take the glory, and God will never share his glory. If you don't need God, God doesn't need you. Can I end with just an illustration, but it's true. Mark, Mark is right. I met him at a camp in ninth grade, Indian Creek Baptist Camp in Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky. His dad went to the same college I did, not the same years. I invited his dad out uh, to California. We had lunch together, and he asked me some questions. And I, I, I remember saying, I said, um, I'm just trying to be a good Christian. I'm not trying to pastor a big church. I'm not trying to travel this country and be an evangelist. I said, I'm just trying to be a good Christian. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. And that left an impression on Reno Likens' life that years later, he started a camp. He goes, I want Tim Rule to come out and preach at our camp. I went out and preached at that camp, and years went by, and Mark came through the schools, and Mark became impressed, and he got to go to camp. Mark was one of those young men that came up. He was cordial. He's a preacher's kid, and he knew how to shake hands and welcome the preacher and so forth, and we did. And, and uh, I enjoyed Mark, and in fact, the next year I came back, and he came up there and greeted me again. It was kind of neat. He remembered me, and I remembered him, and that was good. Next year I came back. He came up and greeted me again. In fact, he actually came to the airport and picked me up. Well, this is great. And so I continued to know him. He had a, a sternum surgery. I remember praying for his surgery. And I remember the recovery. I remember talking about that. I know his mom, Carla. I know his brothers. And I got to know the family. And so he drew closer. I thought, this guy really likes me. This guy's great. So the guy interned for me. He interns for me. I go to his college where he goes to college. I preach chapel there. I see him there. I go to conference. I see him there. I thought, this guy really likes me. Then he says, I know your daughter Maggie. It was never for me. It was always for my daughter, okay? So... So to tell you the truth, I don't even like your pastor anymore, to tell you the truth. Like, I don't even like the guy. But something happened about four years ago that I'll never forget with your pastor. Uh, we were on vacation, and um, for us to try to still be family, we would try to get a vacation. we get us all together. That's pandemonium. That's 26 people. And we got a little uh, lake, um, uh, lake home up on Lake Amador in California. Snowing outside, and you got... Five families there, our family, Gabe, Jesse, Mark, and Mike. It was early in the morning, and um, I was up, my wife was up, and I saw Mark come on downstairs, and Mark got himself bundled up. I said, where are you going? He goes, I'm just going to take a walk. He said, have his prayer time. On vacation. There's a great... Overwhelming sense of security that I thought my son of all walks with God. He was gone, I don't know, a half hour, 40 minutes. I, I don't really remember the time. He came back in, and here's what really helped me. I said, Mark, how was your time with God? And he said, um, two words I lack. I lack. He said, I'm a new pastor. I'm not a pastor. He said, I'm a young man. It's just the providence of God that this happened, this happened. I'm here, and I'm the pastor. And he said this, I lack. Mark just said, um, I need help. I need help. The pastor you have today is not a self-acclaimed man. He's not all-sufficient. Everything you need, no one is. But he is a man that walks with God and says, I need your help. And look what he's doing. Not him. Look what God is doing.
And because of that reason, my level of admiration for your pastor, my son-in-law, went from wherever it was to way up here. As long as he keeps the sense that I have to have God in my life, then his family and other families might go through what I went through. It makes this world a better place to live. So here's the invitation. Here's God. He can walk down that aisle right there, or this aisle, or this aisle. And God can slowly just look at you and say, do you, do you need me at all? Do you, do you want my help at all today? I'm looking for a job. I, I hate being unemployed. I'm, I'm looking for someone to help. Can, can I help someone this side? Not, not just in church ministries and song and music and teaching and helping and mentoring, but just everyday life. How about if God walked on the aisle and you just held up and say, you can come over here anytime you want to. In fact, I'm asking you every day. I need help. I need help. As I said, I don't keep these in some drawer, some tucked away filing cabinet. These are posted in my office before I walk out every single time. God wants to work, and I want God to help me. Can I quickly go back to... Um, and I'm done. Group number one, you're here this morning. You've got it. You know you're going to heaven. You know you can show in the Bible how to do it. But can I just tell you that last word of group number two? You're here. I wonder what that choir has. I wonder what those musicians have. I like Pastor Mark up there with that confidence. And this is a good place. I want that. And today, if you don't know beyond the shadow of a doubt that heaven's your home, I pray that you'll come from group number two and come to group number one. Today, as the pastor leads the invitation, just tell them, I want to be a Christian. I want Christ to be my Savior. If you made that decision, I'd say this. Then I want the help to be a good Christian. I don't want to be a, I hate the word average. I hate sitting on the bench. I'm not doing that. If I have to work out harder, run extra, whatever I have to do, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to spend all my time just sitting on the bench. I'm going to play ball. And to play ball, I have to work whatever I have to do. But I need God's help. And maybe you are, maybe, maybe just a kind of mediocre Christian. I don't know. And I'm not here to judge. But once you say, I need help, I'm going to become a better Christian. And that third one, I want to share my Christianity with somebody else that they can enjoy all that we have here today. Father in heaven, I cannot imagine you, yourself, walking, pacing this earth, holding a sign, saying, I will work. But who's going to let me? And Lord, I pray there'll be many today be reminded of the fact we must have God. I do not know you, do not know me. I've asked Pastor to come. He'll go ahead and finish this invitation, please. You know, I'm reminded of the words of James, where he says, if any man lack wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and does not upbraid. But the, the whole premise is you have, to, you have to know that you lack it. And then you fast forward in James, and he tells you to, if you'll draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. That if you'll humble yourself in the sight of God, he'll lift you up. And he goes on to say there's an opposite example of this. There's someone that goes to and fro. They go in the city and they say, I'm going to buy and I'm going to sell and I'm going to make my plans. I'm going to run my business. But they never say, if the Lord wills. 
and they forget God. And there's this mega theme all through the scripture, and including James, where it's if you understand and you humble yourself and you say that you lack, he'll help you. But if you don't and you think that you have life by the tail and you have it all, all, all under control, everything's buttoned up, which you and I both know isn't true, then it's wrong. You've, you're suffering from spiritual amnesia. You're forgetting who God is. And you're forgetting who you are. So today I, I hope that we can just remember that he's God. He loves, he saves, he shows himself strong. There's no other God. We're human and we're frail. And we need his help. Let's take a minute and let's talk to him. I want to give you some time, just some privacy in this moment, to bow your heads and to pray. Take the domains of your life and say, God, in my marriage, I need you. God, in my parenting, I need you. And God, as I work and I try to be a good boss and I try to keep things going, I need your help. And Lord, as I approach my relationships and friendships, I, I need wisdom here. I, I'm lacking. Would you humbly go to him and, and hold out the sign and just say, I need some help. Will you work for me? If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're in, as, as Pastor put it, you're in group number two. Maybe you know about Jesus, but you just don't know him. You've never put your faith and trust in him. Then I hope that you'll do that today. Right where you sit in this moment, you can. If you'd like to put your faith in Jesus, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. You can just pray this internally. You don't have to say it out loud, but you can pray these words. And you can just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, would you save me? Jesus, I lack. I can't save myself. I can't forgive myself. I can't gift eternal life to myself. That's only you. So Jesus, right now, I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you and in you alone. It doesn't have to be exactly that prayer. That's not a script. But if you'll pray something to that tune and you'll put your trust in him and not in yourself, he says, I'll save you. Believe on me. And today, if you made that decision, I hope that you'll come to me or one of our pastors after the service and just let us know. We want to celebrate that with you. But let's take a minute right now and let's pray together and tell the Lord how big and how mighty and how strong and awesome he is and how grateful we are that he'll work on our behalf. Father, we are grateful. We are even enamored and amazed that you would love us, that you would give yourself for us, that you wouldn't just say that you love us, but that you would prove it. Lord, you proved it to Israel when you worked on their behalf and when you delivered them from, from nations and when you gave them an inheritance and you proved it, I would dare say, in a grander and sweeter and more tangible way to us now when your son comes and dies on a cross as a demonstration of your love for us. Thank you for wanting to save. Thank you for wanting to work. Thank you for being willing to not just redeem us and then leave us all by ourselves, but to, to steer the tandem bike, as it were. And so, Lord, we're asking you today 
to work on our behalf personally in our lives with the sins that we're struggling against, with the addictions that we have, with the problems that exist, with the wisdom that we need. Lord, we're asking you to work in families, mend hearts between children and their parents, restore marriages and relationships. And Lord, we're asking you to work in our church. We don't want this to be a place where we just assemble and we sing a few songs and we read a few verses and we perfunctory go through the motions. We want it to be a place where you show up and where your spirit is real and where we learn and we grow and we open our lives to love and we open your word to learn and we're better off because you're here. Not because we have it figured out, not because we're buttoned up and not because we're professional Christians, but because you're here and we need you. So Lord, we confess today our humility. We confess our finiteness. We confess how much we need you and how much we really lack. And we're asking you to work on our behalf. We love you and we thank you for your heart to do it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and we praise. Amen. Well, I think it's a good day anytime you can come to church and you can think a little bit more of God and maybe perhaps a little bit less of yourself, that whole he must increase and I must decrease paradox. Uh, that's, That's a good thing for Christians to remember. It's a good thing for us just to be reminded of the truth. I know we live in this very Oprah-ific, you can do it, you're awesome, you have everything it takes world. And it's good for us to remember, no, we're suffering from imposter syndrome and we know we don't have everything that it takes and we need God in our lives. That's a timely reminder for, I think, all generations, but especially for us here in 2022 in modern America. It's a good reminder for us. Well, I do want to say that I love you, church, and I'm glad that you're here today. And I also want to, uh, to invite you back next Sunday for Revelation, but of course for the study, uh, 6 o'clock next Sunday night as well. Before we get out of here today, we're going to take a minute and a half, and we're going to watch this announcement video, which will say probably what I just said, but it'll, uh, it'll say it in a better way, and you'll remember it better. So uh, play this video as soon as it's done. Uh, you can go ahead and be dismissed. church and thank you for coming today. If this is your first time here, welcome. One of our pastors would love to meet you and put a small gift in your hand at the welcome desk after the service. Let's take a moment to see what's happening here at Harvest. Our intro to Harvest class is coming up on Sunday, October 2nd, and we would love the opportunity to get to know you better. If you have any questions about intro to Harvest or about the church, please stop by the welcome desk, get to know our pastors, and we would love to help you in any way that we can. Special guest Marshall Austin will be with us on October 2nd, and he'll be presenting a Bible workshop titled Israel Then, Now, and in the Future. Mark your calendars. On October 13th, there will be a fall fundraiser event for the Life Choices organization. Come out and join us for a night of fellowship, for some good food, and to hear our amazing keynote speaker, Kelly Lester. You can register online at lifechoicesfundraise.com forward slash fall banquet. We hope to see you there. That's all that we have for today. Thanks so much for spending time with us. Remember to follow us on social media so you can stay connected with all that's happening in and around our church throughout the week. 
Until next time, have a fantastic week and God bless.